Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. I want to begin with a hypothetical story this morning. What if, just imagine, what if a clinic in Magnolia had a doctor who actually discovered a cure for cancer? The medical community hadn't accepted it yet. The public was not aware of it yet, but it was real. It actually cured cancer, and he was ready to administer it to anyone who had that disease. And all of us know someone who has that disease, don't we, that we care about. Let me ask you something. If that were true, would you be willing to work with that clinic to get the word out to those who were infected? Would you be willing to engage people to have that treatment that would save their lives? Well, that's a hypothetical story, and we wish it were true, don't we? But there is a disease that has more universally infected the population than even cancer. It is the spiritual disease of sin. It has infected every human being since Adam and Eve's sin in the Garden of Eden. And our great physician has the eternal cure. So the real-life question is, are you willing to be involved with the clinic called the church that is charged to spread the good news that there is a cure for sin? And that's what we are about. Our series that we are involved in in these days is called M1 Vision, and we're looking at our mission statement as a church, why we exist. We're taking our mission statement one bite at a time each week until we come to the end of it. And so today there is one word that we will focus on. Here's our mission statement, and we are saying it over and over and over because I want every member of Magnolia's First to know our mission statement because it reflects the reason we exist as a church. And can I say, there are a lot of churches that have forgotten why they exist. They have lost their purpose. They have missed their mission. And those churches are on a path to die. And churches are dying all across America today. The pandemic put it on steroids But there are churches that are dying because they have forgotten their mission. We will not be one of those churches. We will be a church that keeps our mission in focus. So here's our mission statement. Magnolia's First Baptist Church exists to engage, there's our key word for today, exists to engage every generation to become Christ followers. Now, I said this last week that our mission statement and every mission statement of every church that's a Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church that has a mission statement, all of our statements, though they may be worded slightly differently, they are all based on the same thing. It's what we call the Great Commission. What we heard from Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Let's look at it together again. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, 
go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's what we witnessed on the video being done in Mill Creek where our church did that a hundred years ago. Now, I don't know about you, but that lights my fire. A hundred years ago, our church was baptizing out there, and those two precious young people who, uh, they belong to Bob Lee, who's up there somewhere in our, our tech uh, stand, I think, today. But that precious family, those two wonderful kids wanted to be baptized, where people were being baptized from our church a hundred years ago. That's not in my nose. It just fires me up. <laughs> Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The key word in our mission statement for today is engage. And so here's our big idea, our sermon in a sentence. Our mission is to engage people with the gospel. To engage people with the gospel. Now, how do people come to faith? Here's the language we use, and I'll, I'll talk about it more later in the message. But, but we say that everyone is on a faith journey. They're either on a journey to faith because they haven't yet trusted in Christ as their Savior, or they come to that point of stepping across the line of faith to do that, to turn away from the sin of their past and to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And then after that, they're on a journey of faith. So everybody is on a faith. How, how does that happen? How do people step across the line of faith? Well, I've heard stories about people who pick up a Gideon Bible in a hotel room and they read it and they fall on their knees and give their heart to Jesus. I love those stories. Uh, I've heard of people who were sitting out in the beauty of creation in the mountains or, or at the seashore or at night looking up at the thousands of stars that God created and, and the Holy Spirit grips their heart and all alone they come to faith in Jesus right there. Uh, and even those stories, somebody was involved in, in you know, bringing them to that point, I believe. But almost every time you hear the story of somebody Stepping across the line of faith, God used other people to help them to get to that point. God used people to plant seeds or cultivate seeds that would eventually come to harvest. And here's how the Apostle Paul put it, Romans 10, beginning with verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Now, Pastor Milt made a lot of announcements, and that was kind of a marathon announcement time because a lot is happening in our church. A lot of great things happen here at Magnolia's First, but can I tell you, nothing happens here at this church that's as important as when somebody steps across the line of faith and gives their heart to Jesus. 
Nothing else is as important as that. I, I remember a time when people started applauding for baptisms and people got all kind of, you know, uncomfortable because they didn't seem reverent. Listen, if we can't celebrate somebody getting saved, there's something wrong with us. If anything's worth, I mean, we applaud a bunch of dumb stuff in our culture. We ought to celebrate and applaud when somebody goes from darkness to light, from death to life. So nothing happens here as important as that. And I want us to understand what I referred to earlier. Everyone is on a journey of faith, whether they know it or not. Now, granted, some people you know are way over here on the left side stuck in unbelief, and they may never come out of that. But if they're willing to be, they can be on a journey to faith. And that's, that's a season in which people haven't yet trusted in Christ, but they're, they're open, they're listening, they're asking questions, they're investigating, they're considering, they're pondering, they're trying to figure out the whole thing about God and Jesus and the church. They're on a journey to faith. And then there is a, a line as they go along the path of that journey, that faith journey. There's a line that they have to decide if they're going to cross that line or not. And to cross that line, they have to do what the Bible calls repent, which simply means you turn your back on the sin of your past. You turn away from it. You ask God to forgive you of it. And you turn to Jesus and you take that step of saying, I believe. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day, conquering sin, death, and the grave. I believe that he will walk with me and that he's coming again someday. And you step across that line. And by the way, I would ask anyone who is here today or who is watching online, don't think that just because you are involved somehow peripherally in a church that you are right with God. You cannot be right with God unless you put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about being Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Presbyterian, brethren, whatever denomination. It's not about that we won't even remember denominations in heaven, I'm convinced of it. But have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you stepped across the line of faith? And then once you do that, you're on a journey of becoming more like Jesus. And yes, sometimes it's a three steps forward, two steps back journey, but it's a journey of becoming more like Jesus. As you submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ as you get into the Word of God, as you are discipled by more mature believers, as you are involved in the church of the living God, you're on a journey. The, the theological term is sanctification. And if you have a heart to grow, you will grow more and more and more like Jesus. And there, there is no limiter to that except your willingness to grow. And so you're either on a journey to faith, you step across the line of faith, or you are on a journey of faith. And last week we looked at the sermon on the day of Pentecost that Peter preached. And I want you to see how that unfolded, this, this whole process I'm talking about in the early church, the very 
earliest of the churches of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said, Peter had preached a great sermon on the day of Pentecost. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And that spiritual explosion was the beginning of the church. But for those who stepped across the line of faith on that day and were baptized as a public testimony of their faith, that was not the end of their journey. They then were on a journey of faith. And look at how that unfolded in the early church, the infant church, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. That was the church at work, folks. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I love that phrase in verse 43, a deep sense of awe. It it was an undeniable reality of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the early church. Now, some things, the way the, the apostles did signs and wonders and miracles, not all of those things happen as often or as commonly as they did in the miraculous days of the early church. But let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit still works in churches. His presence and his power is still alive in churches that are committed to him. And so let me make this statement. When there is deep devotion and commitment to Christ, his church, and its mission, the Holy Spirit empowers that church. And your pastor wants that more than anything else in this world to see the Holy Spirit continue to and increasingly empower this church. That we don't get sidetracked on politics or pandemics or whatever else you'd want to name. We keep the gospel in our, in our heart and in our focus. That taking the gospel, the only thing, that will change people's eternity as our central focus. And let secondary issues be secondary issues and be willing to agree to disagree in love about whatever those things may be and keep the gospel in our focus. And when there is deep devotion and commitment to Christ, his church, and its mission, the Holy Spirit empowers that church. Look at what happened in the early church with no giving program. Okay, no promotion, no organized campaign. Look at what happened, verse 44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. 
Now, I'm not saying that that pattern for the early church is the exact same pattern. I don't think he wants us to sell everything we have and give all the money into one general fund. That It was the pattern for the early church to launch the gospel and the church. But here's what he does want, and here's what this church practices better than any church I know. A church that is filled with God's Spirit will be known for its generosity. It'll be known for its generosity. That's why you sponsor compassion children. That's why, why 500 Operation Christmas Child boxes disappear in one Sunday. That's why we send somebody to some town in New Mexico we never even heard of to plant a new church and help fund and support him. That's why we give to missions. It's why we exceed our missions offerings like we did with our Mary Hill Davis just recently. Generosity, that's why we give to people in need in this community and around the world. And when a church, well, let me read verse 48 and 47, and then I want to make a statement. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Here's the statement I want to make. When a church is spiritually healthy and deeply committed, the Lord will bless it with much spiritual fruit. If we will be faithful, he will be faithful to us. Look at how it happened in the early church. Look at the end of verse 47. Each day, don't miss that, each day, not just on Sundays, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Those who were being saved. And that happens when the church engages the community where the lost people are with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are seeking to engage our community in ways that many of you don't even know about, so I'm going to tell you about a few of them. Here are some of our Magnolia's First engagement strategies. We have what I would call front door events. In other words, to open a door for people who wouldn't necessarily come to a Sunday service as their first step of engagement but they would come to one of these front door events. Let me tell you a few quickly. Coffee and cars, you've heard us talk about that. Last Saturday of every month, people who love cars, they may not love Jesus yet, some of them do, but their love of cars brings them to our parking lot, and some of our people are there to engage them with, with friendship and to invite them to our church. It happens every month. Our pumpkin patch and our fall festival. Many of you were a part of that, and if you were, there were people from our community we'd never seen before, that they showed up to, to buy a pumpkin or have their pictures, kids' pictures made or eat a funnel cake or whatever it was, but people came from all over the community. They do so every year. Some of you have wondered, what are those funny-looking metal baskets around our campus as you drove in? So somebody said, I, I thought it was a trash can, but no, it's not a trash can. What, what is it? It's a new disc golf course. Now, you say, what? 
there is a craze among young people for Frisbee golf. I don't really get it. I'm not a Frisbee person, but I, I'm telling you, it is, it is the hot thing going. And young people, kids and young adults, we haven't even opened the thing yet, and they are coming onto our campus, and it gives us an opportunity to meet them and let them know about Magnolias first. Uh, our Christmas Eve services are probably the best night of the year to engage people to come that don't normally come to church. We're going to have three services again. I want to see this place packed with people who need to know Jesus. We have a ministry here called Kingdom Critters. It's a Mother's Day Out program. And some of the families belong to our church, but many of them do not, though some have come to faith in Christ and joined our church through that ministry that Tanya and her team lead. And then our kids' ministry has a thing called Parents' Night Out where we keep their kids and, and they go have fun and you don't have to be a church member for that. These are just a few of the ways that we're engaging people in front door events. Well, here's, here's some needs-based ministries that are, are part of our engagement strategies. I need to move quicker. We have a, a prayer ministry called Freedom Prayer. And you can go online and submit a prayer request or, or submit it through our text number. We have an incredible ministry Pastor Larry leads called Fresh Start, where we don't just give people who are in financial difficulty money, but we, we walk alongside them and help them financially, emotionally, and most of all, spiritually. And we've had many people come to faith in Christ, haven't we, Pastor Larry? Uh, we work hand-in-hand hand with SOS, which is an interdenominational ministry that we love and support. We have an addiction recovery ministry at our church. We have two groups. One is called Celebrate Recovery, and it meets on Wednesday nights. Is that right? Monday nights. Okay. Aaron's, okay, okay. All right, I'm getting this straight. Hang on. Uh, Celebrate Recovery meets on Monday nights, and then we have another group called Regroup that meets off campus at the Tomball Renewal Center. Some, some prefer one, some prefer the other, but they deal with any kind of addiction on a biblical basis. We have a Christian counseling ministry called Life Touch Christian Counseling that makes professional Christian counseling available to anyone at very low cost, whatever they can afford. If it's a dollar, that's fine but good biblically-based counseling. In January, we're starting ESL classes, English as a Second Language, and Sandy Sacchieri and her team are getting ready to gear that up, and we believe we're going to reach many people who don't know Christ who English is a second language for them. We have a prison ministry that one of our deacons, Jim Poe, heads up, and he goes to prisons all over this part of the state. We have a grief support group that meets during the daytime that's just beginning again. And we hope later on to have an evening group called Grief Share. We have a homeless ministry called the Fulton Place Ministry in which a team of our people go and minister to the homeless. We have a ministry called Pinehurst Kids Ministry that love on people uh, and their kids in an area of our community. And it's a beautiful ministry. 
Uh, on and on and on. We hope to be starting uh, divorce care ministry and a support group for those who are caring for people in their family with long-term illnesses. And that's what your church is doing as a whole. But you may wonder, okay, well, that's great, but what can I do? Let me tell you a couple of things. First of all, we are enlisting a team of people to be a neighborhood welcome team. Have you noticed that families are moving into our community? In fact, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of new families over the next decade are going to be moving in our community. Our vision is to have in every neighborhood an M1 member who will just go and knock on the door of one of the, the people that have just moved in and give them one of our M1 coffee cups uh, with a little card that tells them about our church and just say, just want to welcome you to our community. Just, just that simple, non-threatening contact, our neighborhood welcome group. We're going to start as a part of our group's ministry sometime early next year, what we call seeker small groups. And they say, what is a seeker? A seeker is somebody who's on a journey to faith. They've got questions. They don't understand about God, church, the Bible, Jesus. They, they, they've got questions, but they're open. And if there is a home group in which some Christian couples meet with them and, and in a non-threatening way, non-condemnatory, just say, tell me your questions, we'll talk about it. We'll help you understand what the Christian faith and the gospel is all about. Maybe you would be willing to serve on one of those two things, a, a neighborhood welcome team, or you would be willing to consider being trained to have a seeker small group in your home. If you will go to m1bc.org, there is a button this week for each of those, and you can click it and get information. Now, that's for some of our members. Let me tell you what every member can do. Invite somebody to come to church with you. Just invite a friend, a neighbor, a relative, an enemy. It doesn't matter. Invite somebody to come to church with you. All you have to say is, I love my church. Why don't you come worship with me? I'll buy your lunch maybe. But invite people, an, an invitational outreach. And listen, we've got a vision to engage our community even more effectively your campus expansion study committee is at work to find plans that the Lord would bless that would engage people to come on to our campus and feel welcomed and maybe even open the coffee shop Monday through Friday or Saturday and, and invite people in just to connect them to our church and pray that someday, someday God might use that connection to bring them to Christ. So, what is it I'm asking you to do? I've thrown a lot at you. Let me try to summarize with this. Here's the first thing all of us can do. Support your church with prayer and with your faithful giving. Uh, Milt affirmed our church for its faithful giving. That is more important than ever as we try to engage a growing community. But prayer is what matters most. Pray that God's Spirit would bless those contacts with people who do not yet know Christ. 
Here's something else. Volunteer for one of those ministries. I mean, I rattled off a whole bunch of them, and all of them need workers. All of them need help. So go to our website. It, it, there's a tab up at the top that says Serve. And if you click that, it'll take you to a link, and you can engage with one of these ministries or find out what the opportunities would be. And the third thing is this. Always look for divine appointments to invite someone to church or to share the gospel with them. And you may say, I don't know how to do that. If somebody walked up to me and said, I, I, I need to know about Jesus, I need Jesus in my heart, I wouldn't know what to tell them. Let me give you the simplest, shortest presentation of the gospel I know. Are you ready? Okay. Can you remember A, B, C? Yeah, I think you can. All right. Here's what you tell them. A, B, C. A, admit you're a sinner. That's the first step to getting saved. Admit you're a sinner. Because you can't get saved until you know you're lost. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe he is the Son of God. Believe he died on the cross for your sins. Believe that he will save you if you ask him. Believe. A, B, C, commit. Commit your life to follow him. Now, we can fill in all the scriptures and all the things that you do uh, to, to follow him later on. But if you can remember A, B, C, A, admit, B, believe, C, commit, you can tell somebody how to get saved. And you know what? If you're open to do that, God just may send you somebody that needs to know how to step across the line of faith. You know, Jesus gave a charge to the early believers. And it wasn't just for them. It's for us too. We find it in Acts 1-8, my last scripture. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, that was their world. For us, let me change that to our world. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Magnolia, in Montgomery County, in Texas, and to the ends of the earth. Our mission is to engage people with the gospel. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to have a time of prayer and, and commitment. If, if there's a burden on your heart, it would be a good thing for you to come and pray with one of our deacons and their spouses or staff and their spouses that will be standing up here. If you're sick, come and I will anoint you, and Cindy and I will pray over you as the book of James teaches us to do. But if you need to give your heart to Christ, you need to take the next step in your spiritual journey. You need to recommit yourself. Whatever the next step would be, just come to one of these prayer partners and say, I need to take the next step. And they'll help you from that point on.
So would you stand with me as I pray and as our prayer partners come? Heavenly Father, it is our mission to engage all people with the gospel. Every generation, every language, every person with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray for those who are here in this room today. I pray for those who are watching online. But for those who are here and who need to take the next step, give them the courage to step out and come to one of these prayer partner couples. Help them to know that they will be helped, they will be loved, they will be affirmed. And Lord, for those who have prayer burdens, help them not to be too proud to bring them to the altar and to pray with these godly prayer warriors. Lord, we give these next few moments to you. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.